Hi, this is Daniel Rue of the Real GM Radio Podcast, and I'm taking the Phoenix Suns over the LA Clippers in their Game 6 on Wednesday, if necessary. BetOnline has free odds and lines available online or on your mobile device. Visit BetOnline.net today. Look, staying healthy isn't easy. Watching your diet, hitting the gym, avoiding stress. But a good night's rest helps boost your overall health and wellness. And it couldn't be easier. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed is the only bed that effortlessly adjusts and responds to both of you. The result? You wake up ready for anything. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. Don't miss our 4th of July special. The new Queen Sleep Number 360 C2 Smart Bed is only $8.99. Plus free premium delivery when you add a base. Ends Monday. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Dana was uh, my boxing coach when I was when I was a teenager. I remember uh, sparring him. He was telling me, like, I want you to try and fucking kill him. And I was like, okay, okay. So so I connected with him clean as hard as I could with my right hand. He just was like, that's what I'm talking about. And then just started wiping me out. Hey, I'm Rashad Evans, and I'm on Hot Boxing with Mike Tyson and BJ fucking Baldwin. What's the deal, brother? What's going on? I don't know. We want to hear about your record-breaking stunts, man. <laughs> Tell us. And we also want to know about your fancy artsmanship with the gun. Oh, thank you. Would you um, do that? Because I saw one time, I didn't mean to interrupt you, no, sorry. that Sammy Davis Jr. and... Um, Rob might notice when he's just sitting around with the gun and shooting, pow, 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 make, putting it back in and you do all that stuff? Uh, Put it back in the holster, pull it out, you know. Not really. Not trick <laughs> Sammy Davis used to, like, oh, mess with a, guns? he's an expert gun shot. Really? I didn't know expert. that. I'll have, to, I'll have to check that out. I've uh, been in off-road racing, long-distance endurance, endurance racing in the desert for a little over 20 years now. I've got uh, seven series points championship. I'm the only person to win the Baja 1000 two consecutive years and drive the entire distance. How far was that? No, yeah. It was really far. Come on, <laughs> give us a number. Oh, man, it was uh, 1,167 miles in 2012. I was in the car for 20 hours and 15 minutes. And then the following year, uh, I think it was like 930 miles, and I was in the car for about 16 hours. When I'm in the car that long, you know what happened? I catch this this illness. What is it called again? The sciatic. Sciatic. I can't walk. You gotta get an operation. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. No, I'm I. I'm in the seat that long. I gotta get an operation. Isn't that crazy? I I get really tired. I mean, I think the the biggest thing for me is uh, the mental fatigue. You know, because it's like one thing. We only uh, in the Baja 1000. You only get How old is one. The Baja 1000. Uh, 1967 was, yeah. I think, its origination. But you only get to see this, uh, the same corner one time as it relates to, like, other forms of racing. You do laps, and Baja 1000 is one 1,000-mile uh, lap. So you get one opportunity to do yeah, everything right. But perfectly. it's so preeminent because they made stories like Mama Sammy Davis Jr. and Demo and did that one. Yeah. What was that show called? Something 500... The Baja 500. It was I think they that, did. I think they did do some racing back then. And then there's a wild, wild world. Something to that effect. It was the same way. On every crazy person was on this race to get something or what it was. It was yeah. so long, long, now, little now kid. when you're doing those drives, how many people you got driving with you? Uh, well, I got uh, I got my navigator, and then uh, for most of the uh, Baja 1000s, 
that I've done. I've driven the entire distance. It's is it a race? Is it, yeah, it's oh, yeah, God. it's a it's an off road race. There's about 300 cars and trucks and motorcycles. There's probably 40 of them uh, in my class, in the unlimited class, which is the class that you goes first. Have any first. great women drivers um, participate into the race? Yeah, there's a there's a few there's a few good uh, women drivers. Sarah Price is in the uh, spec truck class, um, but yeah, it's it's super super competitive. It's uh, my truck is basically everything that you can put into something that looks like a truck and make it go really really fast over really rough desert. Um, it makes about 950 horsepower. Wow. Uh, it'll go through. Three and four foot bumps at 115 miles an hour. So, what, what makes the categories? You said yours in unlimited. So, like, what makes the different categories where they are? Well, they'll they'll have like a, a rule book for all these uh, various classes. Like, we'll take I think it's class nine. It's been so long. Um, they'll have or like a stock full truck. We'll have to have stock suspension arms, stock sized shocks. Have to run. Uh, stock frame rails and then have to have like an engine that's similar to stock and then everything else can be upgraded. So that, that rule books like 25 pages of all the stuff oh, that wow. has to be put into that truck to make sure it qualifies. How much does for the truck class. cost a real competitive truck? About 850,000. Really? Yeah. My, my rule book is one page. It's got to have a factory, uh, production grill and have uh, factory looking lights, but they're, just stickers. Everything else is open. There's really not What's much. What's the fatality rate with this stuff? Anybody ever die doing this? Yeah, people people die, you know, occasionally. At the Baja 1000, people get hurt all the time. A couple people die every year at the Baja 1000. It's, it's pretty dangerous. I try not to die. It's not fun. <laughs> I've been on fire six times. I've, I've uh, I, my navigator missed a note in 2015 and I was trying to pass somebody in the dust at two in the morning and I flew off a cliff into a rock the size of a school bus. And I went from, I was going 96 miles an hour on the road and I got it slowed down to about 71, 72 miles an hour. I went from 70 miles an hour to zero in about 15 inches. So before you do this whole thing, like you and your crews, you guys out navigating the whole the whole course and making sure you get every single little nuance. And, and I can't yeah. fathom what you just said to me just now. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think about what you told me, and I'm just thinking 15 inches. He's going to imagine. Like a, a fatal car crash from like a regular production vehicle is like 33 miles an hour. You know, so if I didn't have my five point harnesses on, and then I have a head and neck restraint that keeps uh, keeps me from having basilar skull fracture where the base of your brain breaks in your in your brain stem um if i didn't have that i'd i'd be dead at half that speed so there's a lot of protective equipment but you know you're still why do you want to do stuff like that (laughs) (laughs) it's uh it's another dimension uh in motorsports like there's one thing it's one thing to like go around a track and you have a bunch of people watching and it's on tv and you get you know 500 opportunities to hit this corner or that corner whatnot but when you have all of these elements that you can't control like rock wall on the left and a hundred foot cliff on the right or a blind uh jump um 
Yeah, it's it's pretty <laughs> plus passing. The hundred foot cliff. You you don't it's think about crazy. like passing in a desert race. You don't get to see much because right. there's explosive dust, uh, you know, in front of you from the car that you're trying to chase down. So it definitely adds another. Peter, check this out. What made you say hey, this is what I want to do? The first I time you say, "Wow, I want to do this." <laughs> when, when I always happen? liked driving cars you know like I, I learned how to drive a car when i was six years old i stole my sister's corvette when i was nine years old and drove it around the neighborhood for you know about 15 20 minutes i got in a little bit of trouble for that but uh i always liked racing and i was really really good on on dirt bikes um when i was a kid and i got an opportunity to race with the uh, barbary coast team in like a small limited production buggy and then it just evolved into uh, trophy truck racing. How many trucks do you have? Man, yeah, how about that? I got uh, personally. Uh, personally, well, I got uh, a Dodge diesel. Um, I've got uh, Loki, which is a 1978 Chevy Blazer that's fully built out, like a like a pre runner, but it has a, a motor that's a lot smaller. It runs on pump gas. It makes about 600 horsepower. It's got lots and lots of wheel travel. I really enjoy driving that. Um, and then I have six support trucks, two pre-runners, and two race trucks. Now, the one that – see, I knew BJ for a while. My, me and BJ go back for a while. And um, How do you know him, BJ? I know him through mutual friends. Yeah, now. mutual friends. I, that's one thing that sticks in my memory when those right. guys were like – they were like messing with you or something. What, what club was it? We were at uh, Dre's or something like that. Oh, yeah. No, the- and I'm like, dude <laughs> – isn't that terrifying? <laughs> he was doing that to these guys in the elevator that were trying to get tough with him at Dre's at that monster party. And I was like, fuck, these guys have no idea. They didn't know who he was, and they were trying to get tough. I'm like, dude, he will vaporize you. And then, thankfully, you had that bark, so you didn't have to do bark that. At these niggas, bark huh? at them. Susie, Susie barked at him. The guy pushed the bu- button in the elevator, and the door sorry, closed. I was like, damn, sorry, I was scared. <laughs> <laughs> I had so much trouble back home. My wife and everybody told me, yeah, why you use that word? Niggas, <laughs> niggas cool to me. All right, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, so I, w- I went riding with him one time, and it was, uh, um, it was an experience because it felt as if, like, we was completely out of control. But the way he would move and shift in a car, you knew he was in control. But there was some times you got to ride with him. No, you got to ride with him. You got to ride with him. Telling you, it'll change you. It'll change you. So, so, so I was I was talking to Rob about uh, getting you in the truck, and he was he was saying that you're like no. Fuck that! I'm not going. And I tried to explain it, and maybe you can explain it better. When I get out of first gear and go into second gear, the fear is gone because of the stuff that you're hitting and at the speed that you're hitting it, it goes well beyond fear fear, and you just start to try and comprehend how is this happening and why is this not breaking my back and jarring my teeth out and how is it going this fast so you this don't stay in fear sounds like long. more like einstein than a truck driver okay. <laughs> listen, listen. i don't know i can't follow this shit i mean he had he had us on on a side like a two wheels and just the obstacles he was able to hit get around and like you know how like you got those old shit moments when you're driving it seemed like he may have had those but you wouldn't even be able to tell because he was just cool as a cucumber just like <laughs> moving 
moving. That thing's slow, actually. I'm That's scared of accidents and shit. I'm always saying praying before I get in the car to go home or getting on the plane or something. <laughs> you got you to gotta, you gotta get in the car with BJ, man. I got to take you for a ride in the racetrack someday because that – Compared not, to not, that, it's crazy. Not, that's too much excitement for me, man. <laughs> bumps and rolling. You'll go. Nah, I'll, you I'll talk to you. You don't even feel the bumps, though, do you? You don't really no, feel the bumps. No, man. no bumps. They got a shock suspension on the, on those, on the car that you just, like, you feel like you're floating. My shocks are, like, as tall as him, this big around. I've got six of them. I can imagine. Mother used to have those pickup trucks and they used to crash each other and all that stuff. Yeah, was that for a commercial? No, it was real stuff. It was a competition oh it was uh oh the uh, derby the dirt did you have the derby the derby trucks hitting each other running so over. and one of them was named monster you know they had names for this <laughs> yeah man so that this will make you a little bit more comfortable like take like an average really big truck i can t-bone that truck in my race truck at 70 miles an hour and back up and drive around it there would not be any damage to my truck at all that's how strong they are now, how many times are you driving? Like, I might not real? be that strong. I might get boom and fucking brain <laughs> particles over here and over here. My brain shattered my heart. I'll be fucked. Right, I don't know. You'll be done. <laughs> now, how many times are you driving and, you, and you're on like one of these, uh, these Baja races and you have like this, oh, my God, I felt like I just that was almost it for me? Uh, it's very, very rare. I like to make sure... If I'm doing that, the juice is worth the squeeze. So if I have to make a certain juice amount of time. Worth the squeeze. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, it's, it's, if I'm operating at 100% of my ability, that's not really fun for me. I, w- I would rather, you know, I like, and you could probably relate to this as it relates to fighting. Um, I like to beat people that are really well-known in a embarrassing fashion like that's fun but being in like you know a vehicular fist fight for 300 miles for several several hours with one of the best guys in the world and then beating their ass that's not fun during the the time that that's happening because i have to take a substantial amount of risk but afterwards like that moment you know never never leaves me because i remember how much risk i took what i got away with you know, as it relates to calculated risk, and that I beat some of the best guys in the world. You know, yeah, that's awesome. You're being an athlete and anticipating things. Right, that sounds like you're juggling with your ego there too. Yeah. So talk about your interest in it, though. Yeah. Interest in uh, in, in racing? No, in um, in the psychedelics. You said you were interested in doing. The well, DMT. you know, I've never, I've never done anything like that, and. Uh, a lot of my, well, not a lot of my sponsors. One of my sponsors in particular uh, feels a certain way about uh, about marijuana and drugs in general. So I can either confirm or deny that I've ever done anything. But I hear, and I believe that marijuana is a performance enhancing drug in addition to being a recreation. I've done uh, competitive jujitsu. I did competitive jujitsu for fifteen years, and I trained with some of them. Some really, really good fighters. I, I talked yeah. to you about that. But I, I would have never gotten my purple belt if it wasn't for, you know, some help from some uh, stuff that absolutely. you're involved in. Yeah. I just, I never had um, a respectable relationship with my ego. Yeah. And to do that is just, man, it's like breathtaking. Yeah, I'll definitely have to look into that. 
I've been thinking about it a lot this last year because I see, I see Rogan talk about it. I've seen you talk about it with Rogan a bunch of times. Yeah, wow. this, this been a, it's been a, uh, it's been a crazy year. But, like, throughout this whole year, just got your mind just thinking that, want to know. Oh, yeah. Somebody tried to murder my girlfriend and I. Discuss well, talk about it. <laughs> yeah, he didn't talk about it. Yeah, I want to talk about it. Let's discuss that. No, we don't got to talk. I mean, just no, no. It's, it's, it doesn't bother me uh, really at all. Did you know the person? I, I I didn't know him. It was like a really strange thing. Um, you know, we were in a, a parking lot getting some dinner, and two guys like speed walking. You know, walked up on. Uh, Tori and I, my girlfriend, and one of them had a gun pointed at Tori and uh, didn't ask for money or anything and started a gunfight, you know. Yeah. So, and uh, of course, I've been doing, you know, defensive tactics and lethal force. For oh, I forgot about this one. It turned out really cool. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm really sad and depressed over it that I forgot this nigga. Does. Yeah. This guy does this thing. <laughs> so, uh, the, the, the dude was like, you know, really a, a big, big guy. He's probably an inch taller than me. He probably outweighed me by like 80 pounds. Um, he's really excited about, uh, the opportunity to murder both of us. That's what kind of, I got the impression from, um, and, and I, he started shooting at, you know, Tori and, and me. Oh, and time, him. time, time. <clears throat> He started shooting at you? Yeah. Well, I, I wasn't going to let him get any closer to Tori. So, and he had he had the gun out the whole time, didn't make any demands or, or anything like that. And I assumed that he was going to uh, engage her for whatever reason. And that's when stuff started popping off and wow. we got in a gunfight. He shot at Tori twice, shot at me six times. And... Uh, you know, I shot him in the face from 25 yards away. So you do a lot of the defensive tactics stuff and training and stuff like that. So how much of yeah. that was just like just training instinct? It, it was very unfair. It was very unfair because, you know, I'm, I'm as far as I know, I'm one of two guys in the country that can draw a gun from concealment and gauge a target five yards uh, and put four rounds on target in under a second. So I could draw and put four rounds on target in under a second. Wow. I do a lot of balance of speed and accuracy and, and very, very high-level, high-proficiency uh, defensive tactics training from concealed carry with, with a pistol. So I'm really, really good with uh, with a handgun. My girlfriend, Tori, has got, I don't know, 20 world championship titles in competitive pistol shooting. So we do a lot of that. Um, so for somebody to uh, try and murder us with a handgun in a parking lot, I don't think that they saw that coming. It was really, really unfair for them, but I wasn't going to let them murder my girlfriend and myself. I was just out trying to have a hamburger, you know? Yeah. So, but uh, I honestly, I don't feel one way or the other about it. I wish it never happened, but if, if it had to happen, like we were saying about talking to God, that would be the right. question I would ask because I didn't have any fear. I didn't have any anxiety, you know, I wasn't worried. I just saw a problem that needed to be solved. And that's not characteristic. About it. Yeah, that's, you know, in, in my mind, it's almost like, you know, that was a part of a plan or some, some right. type because we were in a good part of town, you know, 
wasn't a lot of crime or anything in that part of town, and we were just having hamburgers. Somebody started shooting at Tori and I, and unfortunately for them, they picked a gunfight with two people that know a whole lot about gunfights. So now since the whole situation happened, I bet your training with the defensive tactics is a lot more, it's a lot different when you approach a situation. It's just not training anymore, right? Yeah, it's it uh, it has changed me quite a bit. I've increased my proficiency of the firearm uh, more than I ever thought I would. Um, I've been studying uh, ballistics for nine months um, and testing all different types of uh, ammunition, different bullets. I had bullets fail in that particular exchange, and they didn't perform how I thought they would have. Um, I thought they'd be able to solve the problem a little bit better. I through this. Uh, exchange, I didn't think I'd be, I'd, I'd have to fire more than like two rounds to get this person to stop shooting. Um, but I had to fire uh, 10 rounds, which was very, very surprising. Bullet selection for somebody that's a concealed carry holder is super, super important. And it's not something a lot of people talk about or know a lot about. You want something like if somebody's trying to, like in our case, you know, somebody's trying to murder you, for whatever reason, um, you'd want to have the tools and the fuel in your platform to solve the problem as quickly as possible, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I've, I've learned a lot, and uh, it's been kind of a crazy 10 months thinking about it. Have you been able to, like, package that knowledge up and kind of, like, share it with people as far as, like, on a seminar basis point of view type of thing or what? Uh, not, not quite yet. There's still, I I don't want to do that until I know everything that there is to know, Mm -hmm. you know? So like, for example, one thing that nobody thinks about, uh, velocity of a bullet. So I had a a bullet that was supposed, supposed to perform very well. Velocity wasn't exceptional. It was very slow for a bullet. And, uh, while I was being engaged and she was being engaged, um, there was a lot of movement taking place. And at 14 yards, um, my bullet didn't get there before the threat moved out of the way. So 7 to 10 inches off point of aim, point of impact at 970 feet per second. Velocity. The guy took those bullets, huh? Yeah, I got a little bit better bullets now. My bullets are for concealed carry and for some of the people that I have gone to classes with and helped What's the name educate. of your bullets? Well, I got four four different types. What's the best one? Uh, depends on the application. So ideally, like... 45. That's uh, too slow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, ideally, you'd want something that uh, can stop somebody that is trying to attack you or murder you or has presenting lethal force with... Uh, the knowledge that that projectile is going to perform inside of a certain depth of of a threat's tissue, right. and not exceed that. If if you're exceeding that, not only are you wasting kinetic energy, um, but now that projectile has passed through that person. Well, who's behind them? They might they might not be somebody that's with them. It might be in a crowded place, so you don't ever want to accidentally strike somebody that's not involved an innocent person or something like that. So a lot goes into bullet design to make sure that, you know, police officers use some uh, pretty good stuff, but it's definitely not the best. So I've learned, I've done a lot of math up here. (laughs) 
as it relates to good that. Good shit, though. Good shit. Yeah, yeah so that, that shows the specialties. Yeah. You got the, the specialties with the driving, but just as much your specialist with the driving, you are with the firearms and the education that goes along with it. Yeah, you know, it's the same thing with every, everything. Like, you know, you're a world champion, you're a world champion, I'm world champion. If you put that bandwidth into whatever else, it, like baking a cake. If you were really, like, fucked up on some shit, like, I want to make the best fucking cake, you know, in the world, and you dedicated six months on, like, baking that cake, your cake would be bomb. Right. You know, because you know how to get there because you're already, you're both already, you know, world champ, multi-time world champions. So it takes that mindset to get everything figured out and find every possible avenue to gain an advantage in performance. So, yeah, there's a lot to go. There's a lot that goes into it. It's been a pretty interesting journey. I'm just listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what's you'd up, be a, You'd be amazed what my neighbors don't hear. And I can neither can confirm or deny where my test facility is. But Right, you got to have a lot of land somewhere where you can just, you know. You should. I mean, I, I've seen <laughs> I've seen, I've seen you guys now, right? Man, you shoot the gun. The bullets come off so fast. It looks like it's spray. It looks like mist. Yeah. You see those guns look like mess. Like it's yeah. D- yeah, Dylan M134, the one with the six barrels. Yeah. They're fun. How many guns do you own? Because I've seen you have quite a collection. Honestly, I haven't counted in a while. I've been building, uh, I've been building like pistols, just like uh, modifying Glock pistols and building like a really, really high performing um, Glock pistols. Probably built like five or six of them in the last ten months. Just you build them yourself. Yeah, you start with the factory <clears throat> Glock and then do a bunch of grip modifications and select different barrel uh, types and optics and light lighten uh, laser combinations and all making a perfect gun. Stuff. Pretty much, right? Yeah, Very well tuned. Yeah, I'm strictly um, I'm anti gun, but I believe some assholes do need to be shot. Yeah, I'm anti-gun too. That's why I carry a gun. <laughs> Some people yeah. you can't help but to shoot them. No, you, yeah. you're right about that, man. I, I don't even believe I said that, but just in real life, it's just like that. It's yeah, just like that. there's some people that are, you know, inherently evil, and then there's some people that are maybe psychologically wounded. But I'm not gonna let you wound me because you're yeah. psychological. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hold off on that psychological <laughs> wound type shit. Up. Get I'm the not gonna fuck let you away. fuck me. Right, right. <laughs> Support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. Need an escape? Drop into Pluto TV for a world of free TV. Stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free. Yeah, free. No subscriptions, no fees. Imagine 24-7 channels of Narcos, CSI, Star Trek, Survivor, and everything else from hit movies to binge-worthy TV shows, the latest news, live sports, comedy, and more. What are you waiting for? Download the free Pluto TV app for Android, iPhone, Roku, and Fire TV and start streaming now. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free. How many, I'm curious, how many uh, altercations do you think you've been in? In the last 10 years. Does anybody ever try and mess with you or anything? Yeah. I get in fight. Oh, what a life. How does that go? Because I'm like, I'm always like, you know, like uh, Dana was uh, my boxing coach when I was when I was a teenager. And then I got into jiu-jitsu and stuff like that. And I've, I've sparred some people that, you know, are not you said great. Dana. Dana White? Yeah, I'm sorry. Dana White. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Okay. Did you know that? Yeah, no, nah, I didn't know. He was your boxing. He was a boxing trainer, kickboxing trainer. Uh, no, just like regular boxing. Oh, boxing trainer. Yeah, boxing trainer. Well, yeah. When I was eighteen, nineteen, twenty. How was the other? Yeah, he had head. How was the other trainer? He had head then, right? Oh man, you remember like Tito and him were supposed to yeah. Like, spar? Yeah. I man, I don't know. You know, I I I like Tito, but. Dana's got hands. Dana's got Dana's hands. Oh, Dana's got, got hands. hands. Dana's got hands. Dana's, Dana's got, got hands. hands. You know what? Dana strike me as somebody who got hands because he's got a confidence with him, like, like I wish a motherfucker would kind yeah. of confidence. You know what I'm saying? He he's got hands and he's got granite in his. I remember uh, sparring him. I probably sparred him like I don't know ten or fifteen times, but I remember one time in particular, I was feeling like really feeling myself, like I was like really crisp, really fast. You know, for just, you know, regular guy, because I've been training so much. And he would always just wipe me out when we would when we would spar. He'd be nice, but then he would, you know, he would bust me <laughs> up. He'll spar, spar with you, too? Fucking oh, Dana. God, dude. He used to just Undercover assassin. Let's check this shit. What else did Dana do to you? <laughs> <laughs> I remember I, I caught him, like, slipping a certain way. You know, just caught, like, some behavior. And I knew where he was going to go when I was going to slip. And, you know, I wasn't, a, I wasn't a good boxer by any means or even mediocre, but I could hit really fucking hard, especially with my right hand. And I remember where I thought that he was going to try and slip to if I fainted, and I tagged him, like, as hard as I could with my – because he was telling me, like, I know you love me. Stop fucking around. You know, I want you to try and fucking kill him. And I was like, okay, okay. So, <laughs> so I connected with him clean as hard as I could with my right hand, Hard enough to where, like, my elbow hurt and, like, my shoulder wow. hurt. I hit him because he was moving in at the same time. And he just was like, mm, that's what I'm talking about. And then just started <laughs> wiping me <laughs> out. <laughs> no, he's really tough. Really, really tough. Wow. Guy. That's what's yeah. up, man. Go on with the rest of your story. I'm sorry. I, that, that, oh, that, Dana, right. that Dana part just caught me just by no, surprise. No, rad. So <laughs> I've had uh, a series of events from the time... I was a teenager to when my son was born. To, so I've had like, I've had like death threats. I've, I've been at a party where a fight broke out. I got shot at. I've had, you know, guns pulled on me and my friends. This is when I was younger. So I don't know, like not many people have all that stuff happen right. you know, to, to, to them. But I had always, you know, been a good shooter. And uh, I got my concealed carry permit when I was 21. And I started you know, training here and there. And then I had an event with my son where some guys were trying to run me off the road and yelling at me, a bunch of guys in this truck. I had no idea what it was about. And I was, you know, I was scared. I was like, what is this? What is going on? And I had, uh, I was like, well, I'm BJ Baldwin. I'll just drive away. Like nobody's going to catch me. And I was in a truck that had a big motor in it, and I was just going to rip through traffic and go through the desert and leave these guys. Well, I didn't have any gas. I had, like, mm. no range left on on uh, on the, f- the fuel gauge. And I was like, shit. Okay, where's... Wow, man, this like, is Charles Bronson and Dennis and Denzel Washington. <laughs> equalizer. You realize it? Yeah. Equalizer. You equalizer. Right, right. Oh, man. Like, <laughs> help, help, help me, help me, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're making me blush, Mike. Shit. Holy shit, the equalizer. Um, we got real life equalizer. <laughs> but yeah, in, in that instance, you know, I, I had my 
gun him out of the car, and I had uh, my son with me. He was a year old. I was taking him to lunch. Then you got the fu- you got your fucking kid in danger. Arms yeah. in danger, man. I know, I know. So I had no idea what this was about. Does this uh, shit always just comes to you like the danger shit? Does you like Spidey senses? Like, I don't know. <laughs> danger. I don't know. I wish it didn't. I wish it didn't. But yeah, I I had my gun in my other car because I thought I don't know what this was about. There's like four or five people in this car and they were yelling, telling me they were going to kill me. It's like, damn, they're pretty upset. I ended up making it to this restaurant and running my son in. I like sprinted to the restaurant and ran my son in. They came in behind me and I came out to deal with it. I gave my son to the hostess and I came out to to deal with it. Um, And the guy was like super apologetic. He's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't know you had your son with you. And, um, you know, I was behind you and there was a, a little rock that fell off and it broke my windshield. And I'm sorry, I've had a really bad day and I shouldn't have freaked out like that. And uh, but after that, you know, because, you know, in, in my younger days, I might have gotten out of the car, you know, and, right. and, and been like, yo, what's up? Um, and tried to deal with it. And I could have gotten knocked out. My son would have been in there in my truck exposed to, you know, the heat or something like that. And he could have, he could have gotten hurt. So I was just trying to get away. And then after that, I just started, I started doing a lot of defensive tactics okay. training and, and I never left home without my gun after that. Cause of, cause of my kids, you know, I just, it rattled around in my head. Like that could have gone way South. You could have, you know, they could have ran you off the road, killed your son or something. These people, had me really, really uh, concerned, and I, had, I was helpless. There was nothing I could do, but I had no fuel. Usually, I would just drive away. Right, right. You know right. what? Yeah, what asshole really that asshole. wants to run you off the road is going to catch a world champion driver? Like, who's going to knock you out in the club? Nobody. They punch you in hey, the face, they'll die. No, that's probably true. But I don't <laughs> give them the chance to do it. I'm going to hit them first. Don't <laughs> <laughs> even say anything disrespectful. <laughs> Douche. Get him before the beef start, right? Beef! Before they know. Before <laughs> oh, they know. Oh, man. Fucking Mike that <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you remember going to Jet Nightclub in 2008? Man, I, listen, let me tell you something. This is definitely something that would be good for the podcast. Listen, those are my savage years. Yeah, those are your savage years? Oh, yeah, me and my, my fucking... Hey, let me stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that's pretty interesting. What's Jet? Jet was the nightclub. Did, how, did you go there a few times, or just oh, that Oh, I've, I've lived there. That's my home. That's my living room. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, was, in there. that was mine, too. I knew, like, a bunch of people at the club. So that oh. was, that's a really good story. I don't know if I ever told you the story. Let's hear it. First. <laughs> Let's hear it. I want to know. This is that fucking great. So my, <laughs> my son's mother and I were having this crazy fight, you know, hell half no scorn. Right? No, 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 it was actually before. And I was eating dinner at Yellowtail at uh, Bellagio with a couple of, my, couple of my friends. And these punks came up behind and they were like pushing people, uh, you know, around, um, like through the crowd of Bellagio, like some, some bullies. Mm-hmm. And I was with two like really, really tough guys that were friends of mine, my buddy Jason and my buddy Dip. And I saw this happen, and I was like, fuck, this is perfect. And I pointed them out to them because I was like, you know, these guys, if I kicked their fucking ass, it would be doing them a huge favor. Right. You know, if they got embarrassed, three of them got embarrassed by one guy, 
and I got my two buddies to back me up if you know if I have any problems. Fucking equalizer, man. <laughs> Straight equalizer. Straight equalizer. So I followed them over. Uh, I made sure they stayed like twenty yards back, so it looked like I was all alone. And I followed these three guys across the overpass on Flamingo, and they picked up one of the you know the guy that plays the guitar for like a couple some change. Yeah, yeah. So he picked up the guy's hat. One of them picked up the guy's hat and threw it into traffic. And I was like, oh, dude, I'm going to have so Fucking much Charles fun. Fucking Charles Bronson death wish. Go ahead. So <laughs> much fun with these guys. So I went down. I followed him. Got a little closer. I went up the next So I went up the next escalator. And I made sure I didn't. I got up close. So I made sure I didn't say anything while I was on the escalator. Because I just get stomped down the escalator. I'm, like, plotting all this shit out. <laughs> so we get to the top of the escalator. And I says, with all the three of these guys. And I says, I'm, I'm here. And they turn around and says, who the fuck are you? I said, I thought you were looking for me. And I said, who the fuck are you? I said, I'm trouble. And then open it. Dana taught me this. Like, don't ever, like, sucker punch anybody. But open hand bitch slaps as hard as you fucking can are really effective. And they've proven to be so when I was, uh, when I was getting a little bit more confident. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you, yeah. So I says, I'm here. And I hook the first guy. And he goes flying, and then the next guy comes comes up to me, and I, I like palm his face as hard as I can, and then they're like, "Oh my god, this this guy was, you know, is crazy. Let's get the fuck out of here." Like they've squared up to me for a minute, and then they ran off like little bitches. Um, so after that, like I was like, "Damn, I'm feeling pretty fucking tough." Like I just bitch slapped the fuck out of three three bullies <laughs> on the strip. I walked to, uh, with my buddies, I walked to Jet. I was already, like, really pissed off because of some stuff that was going on with, uh, with my ex. And I see over on the dance floor, and we're, like, in sh- shorts and flip-flops, like, bar- <laughs> barely getting in because we, we had friends at the door. And I'm like, fuck, dude, that's, that's Mike Tyson. And my buddy Tim was like, what? And I'm like, dude, that's Mike right over there. Like, fucking look over there. And Jason's like, no way. I'm like, dude, I'm going over there. And you were with like 25 huge guys that look like the guys that you don't want to bump into on your way to the bathroom. That's, that's, those are the bouncers of the club. I don't know the hell those guys are. <laughs> no, I knew, I knew all the bouncers oh, at yeah? the club. I didn't recognize any of these guys. They, they were all just stacked in this table. And I'm like... I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm going over there. Fuck this. I n- would never, like, go up and say hi to, like, any celebrity or anything like that. I but I, I was like, dude, I'm going to – I fucking have to go up and say hi to – introduce myself to Mike. Let's just say he's awesome or whatever. So they're like, don't fucking go over there. You're going to get your ass kicked. And these are two of my toughest friends. I was like, I don't fucking care. That would be a good story. So I walked down the dance. They're like, I'm not going with you. You're on your own. And I went, I went down there. And uh, and I tapped you on on your tricep. I was, like, I was like, hey, hey, Mike, just you know, just want to say I'm a huge fan, and and you know, you're fucking awesome. And you started talking to me for like five minutes. You gave me a hug. Then my buddies came down, and you were talking to them. You were talking to all of us for five minutes. I'm like, dude, you're fucking shit. You know, awesome. And I was going through like some weird. Boxing shit because I was but all these and ecstasy was just working. And then uh, I was like, dude, thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate it. And you shook, I was like, dude, I fucking love you. You shook my hand and you pulled me in and you go, I love you too, brother. 
And then you fucking were like super, super fucking rad. Made my whole night for yeah, sure. That's Thank cool, you. man. It was that's awesome. Up, man. Yeah. See, that's a good. That's a good first story, man. And there's no there's no celebrity that I've ever seen that has gone through so many challenges and come back, and so many challenges come back. And so your journey through life, I don't think you realize how many people you inspire in a positive fashion. It's fucking badass, for sure. I just know um, life is to be challenged. That's the purpose that we live in life, yeah. is to challenge life. And um, I'm ready for whatever life has to give to me because I can take it good because I can give it good, too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, that's what I tell some people that uh, are looking for advice, you know, for me. I says, welcome challenges with uh, open arms and a smile on your face. Welcome adversity. There's nobody getting out of here free. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> we all go deal with this pain before we die. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. 100%. I think that's a good note to leave it on. I think it's a good note to leave it on. You have any children, man? I got at least two. To talk about it. You get a lot of fucking in one <laughs> yeah, time. I get, yeah, I like yeah, that a lot okay. of fun. No, um, I got two children. I got uh, my daughter, Zoe, uh, my son, Jaden. They're awesome. You know, it's two different moms. You know, yeah, like you married love. yet? I'm separated. Right. Um, but I got a wonderful girlfriend who's uh, awesome. She takes very good care of me, and That's she awesome. teaches me how to shoot a little bit better. We have two different strengths in two different areas. Styles and stuff. So it's cool. It's really, really cool. Well, thanks, thanks for having yeah, me. Thank you, man. Thank you, man. It was an honor, really brother. To talk it was super, you. super rad. All right, this is Hot Boxing. I'm Rashad Evans. We had guest BJ Baldwin, and this is Mike Tyson. I'm signing you off, and really, BJ, this has really been a pleasure speaking with you, really. Thanks, Very mature, very sophisticated. I appreciate gentlemen. it. Thank, Thank you. you. We're out of here, guys. Thank you. 